No, Savannah, not Havana, not Havana, Cuba. Savannah, no, Savannah Georgia. Georgia. That's worse. You think so? They got all the COVID. Wait, excuse me. <laughs> you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Rose and Thorns. Hey, love bugs, and welcome to another episode of the Rose and Thorns podcast. I'm P. Ryan, and I am here with a woman from the home of Old Bay and Good Brews. You might find her stomping through the political sphere, making cheese boards, or watching Bravo. We had a long conversation about it off air. Everybody, welcome Nikki C. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Man, living, breathing. That's all we can do in this uh, panini press. Living and breathing. I think those are two big blessings. And, you know, a lot of people have not made it to this day. What is it? Yes. January 30th, even though the episode isn't going to be released then. Um, Uh But it's all right. We're grateful. And it's all right. Yes. (laughs) Now, the way we start off this show is really by simply Mm -hmm. telling the people about yourself. So introduce yourself. Tell the people about who you are. Man, who am I? So hi everyone, Nikki C. Pronouns she her. Come on, pronouns. Um, no, we gotta let the people know. Mm-hmm. Okay, we gotta be inclusive in all things. Okay. Yes. So for me, a little bit about myself: Politico by day, cheesemonger by night. Um, <laughs> so I do my side business, which is Urban Charcuterie, where I make. Um, luxury boards and then I also have black girls and boards where I introduce black women to luxury um and just self-care and just like taking care of oneself um you could probably find me on my peloton most of the time um because I got one and I love her and her name is Poe in in honor of Edgar Edgar Allan Poe because I'm in Baltimore um and yeah that's just a little bit about me I'm a little crazy a little spicy Scorpio Leo rising uh, Gemini Moon. You know, we got a little, a lot going on. And we love it. Now, I love that you mentioned that a part of who you are, your aesthetic, your brand is <laughs> this this piece of self-care. Um, when we were catching up off air, I shared with you that I'm trying to figure out this whole self-care game. I'm kind of just used to pushing through despite being burnt out. Yes. What is self-care to you? And how did you figure out kind of like your judge and how you can care for yourself? Therapy. Oh, heard you. Wait, I'm in it. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy. Um, A lot of therapy. I had to really do a lot of self-reflection and take a lot of accountability. uh, And then also realize that you don't know everything and that's okay. And it's okay not to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been trying to meditate um, every day. And if I don't at least like try to get three times out of the day, I've gotten a wellness journal this year just to track uh, my moods and how I'm feeling. Um, last year I actually did a vision board and usually I'm don't believe in that stuff. I think it, I thought it was so hooty tooty and, mm. and everything. I'm like, what is this fake stuff? Right. Yeah. And then when I did it, I realized how it spoke over my life in a way that I didn't expect it to, because I was very intentional making it aesthetically pleasing. Mm. Um, and then also just picking out phrases that I thought resonated with me and I got it framed. And in my office, I have it around other pictures of myself. You can kind of see it in the back, obviously the viewers, I mean, the listeners can't see it, but around pictures of me within my career mm. and then in the, in the vision boards at the top. So I can, show you up there oh i love that yeah so that's the all my pictures are in black and white but the only thing of color is my vision board board. i can always remember it's above me when i'm working because i'm at my desk in my office right now it's above me when i'm working and every time i like go to the other side of my office and i look up sometimes i just look up or if i'm sitting on my couch i look up and i just look and i just read it sometimes and just speaking over my life and just making sure that I'm speaking positive thoughts and only speaking positive energy in my life. Because mm. like Ariana Grande say, just like magic, everything that I want, I attract it. So I try to do that and keep that energy. So yeah, that's mm. my self-care right now. I'm a strong believer that words have power. Yes. Oftentimes when we talk about self-care though, we kind of move into this space of just rest, right? And so mm-hmm. like when speaking to supervisors, like we've had conversations, 
myself and my supervisors have yeah. conversations where it's like, you know, we need to self-care. How much are you sleeping? How much are you, you know, relaxing your body? And I think I'm starting to step into this idea that self-care is much more than rest. And so um, I was talking to an amazing marriage and family therapist, Shadeen Francis, my good home girl, soon to come in season two. <laughs> and she was sharing with me how um, self-care is more than just rest, but it also includes recovery. And so she encouraged Ooh. me to look at like the areas of my life that like need recovery and just full disclosure, you know, I'm approaching 30, but in these almost 30 years, I've only been in school, right? And so I need to recover from years and years and years of the academic sphere, years of poverty from being a student, years of like racial trauma and stress, like trauma and stress around- Especially the academic. Yeah. And so there's so many things, I think, you know, one thing that we and the listeners can consider or just like should think about is this idea of recovering. Like, what is it that mm. you recover from in addition to self-caring through rest, you know? Because if oh. we're just resting, we're still carrying all that baggage. That's true. Because when you start making that first real check, go ahead and treat yourself to a spa day. Go ahead and buy a bag real quick. Because guess what? Only rich people try to tell poor people that money can't buy you happiness. But when oh. you don't got no food or no lights on in your house, it's You're unhappy. Buy you, it buys you comfort and mm -hmm. comfort brings you happiness. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to spoil yourself yeah. because everybody deserves it. Even if it's like a piece of cake or a chocolate covered strawberry. Mm -hmm. Or drinking that expensive bottle of champagne or wine mm -hmm. because you're like, dang, that's how the other half lives. And it's like, you know, you might not have it all the time, but you can get it sometimes. Yes. And that feels good. Let me tell you, had a piece of cake yesterday, had a massage ah! today. Okay. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. So, hey. Yes, I agree. Dude, I agree. I'm about to give me some skimps after this. I'm going to give me some skimps. I'm going to see me some skimps. Heard you. Good. <laughs> Light up the hookah. Have my own lounge in my house. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, hookah. <laughs> <laughs> Might put some little razzle-dazzle with the hookah. You know what I'm saying? I'm picking Ooh. up what you're putting down. I'm in a sober season right now, so I'm not able to actually pick it up. But you Man, know, after I saw them terrorists going to Capitol, I said, look, life is worth living and I got to go ahead and live. What a time to be sober. What a time. What a time. Mm -hmm. Couldn't be me, but God bless. Thanks. I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pull back a little bit. Thank you for that amazing introduction. You and I met each other around the same time that I was at the University of Maryland. So were you. And by the same time, I mean, we're definitely from the same year. <laughs> I'm dead, Fred. So yeah, we're class of 2013, University of Maryland undergrad. Um, but I don't think our relationship really picked off until we graduated. And so yeah. we really became close like after the so after graduation and we connected via social media. We were podcast siblings. So you're one third of the Remedy podcast. And um, I was on another show at the time. Um, and you've kind of witnessed my transition from there to here and has been like such a support. And so I just wanted to thank you so much for and give you your roses today um, for just supporting me throughout all of that oh thank you it's nothing i mean you're doing it so i'm happy to support oh thank you i'm trying <laughs> aren't we all yes. and so usually we talk about life and relationships on this podcast and we talk about it in like two different sections but i think this is going to be a conversation that kind of combines the two um because you have relationships to different things in your life, right? And so you called yourself a politico. And so there's this relationship to politics and we'll get to it, but professionalism. Um, you also mentioned that you create uh, charcuterie boards and can't wait to talk about that. I will say one thing about you, looking at your social media, looking at how you present yourself, good fashion, good food pictures. But another thing about you is that you're always taking a picture with somebody's politician, right? And not even, not like some rinky dink, like run of the mill politician. Kamala's out there. You got a picture with Uncle Joe. You got a picture with Maxine. Do you have a picture with Corey? Yeah. And it's on my wall. We got okay. a selfie. Got a picture with Corey. All right. If any of our listeners happens to look like Corey and be as advanced in their profession, I am single. <laughs> 
<laughs> you mentioned that you are a politico. Tell the people about what you do and what that involves, kind of like from day to day or week to week, month to month, however you feel uh, comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it's always evolving and changing. So I work pro- pretty much trying to get people elected that share my shared values. So mostly work with candidates who are black, but I also work with candidates who are not. But what I mean by shared values is just making sure that everybody deserves a chance and fair shot at the American dream and being open that not everybody's path should be the same in terms of the LGBTQ community in Mm. terms of making sure that our trans brothers and sisters can serve. And also that justice across the board is being recognized for those who are experienced violence, Mm. um, whether in the LGBTQ community or the trans community or the, or the black community. Um, that's really what I focus on is mostly those folks. So I'm always on the phone trying to recruit people, trying to get people to run, trying to make sure their teams are tight, being a sounding board a lot for our candidates, especially our black women, because this is new for them. Most of them are first time candidates. And so they have a lot of things they're going through systematic and structural racism themselves um, in terms of running for office and the mudslinging that comes from the Republican side that can really just really get at you and death threats happen all the time more than you think. Well, actually not more than you think because you saw. Heard you. You saw what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just talking to them and kind of like being their therapist in a lot of ways. And that's why sometimes, I that's why I need the therapy. I'm too much, I think, of an empath. I feel everything mm. um, to the point where I break down sometimes. And, I, and then sometimes I go into a hole and mm. I just need to recharge. And so, but yeah, that's a little bit of what I do. Um, it takes a lot of feelings um, to do everything that I do. So That sounds so fire. And I'm like freaking out a little bit. So you look for people who kind of have the same values as you and the values that I'm hearing are around like social justice. So making sure that, you know, different groups have equity, it seems. So like the LGBT community, um, other marginalized groups, but I heard you say you do a lot of calling, recruiting people. And I'm what, from what I'm understanding, recruiting them to run for different offices. Yes. That is so wild. Okay. What makes a person good or a good candidate to run for office? Is it just somebody who has these values or like what else do you look for? And a good story that they can translate to people. Um, And what I mean by that is like, what, how can you elevator pitch yourself to me and make it good that somebody feels inspired to want to vote for you Mm -hmm. or give you money or volunteer for you? So what is your story? And I've had so many candidates this cycle who had dope stories. I had a doctor who was a lawyer, who was an alpha, who had a dope shoe collection. His wife was also a doctor. Mm. They had two small kids. He worked in the uh, Obama White House and the Trump White House for a little bit, but mostly in like an appointee position where he was like trying to figure out like health disparities. But then of course Trump was Trump. And so he was like, no, nah, I can't help you dude. So forget you. Um, I had a woman who was a military police officer for 20 plus years, Jamaican. She uh, immigrated here when she was six years old. Her parents were in, um, had labor jobs and she worked her way through and was in desert storm and was a, was a police, uh, a military police officer. Uh, and that's crazy and dope. And she has two kids and like, she was a single mom and like raised, it's just like, there's so many different stories like that. And you're like, Mm. wow, like I just want, whatever you say I'm here for. And so seeing if they have it in them to run, because honestly, personally, would I ever run for office? No, but I don't really like my business out there like that to the point of like, I can have my business out there in the sense of like doing this. But to the point of being scrutinized for everything that I do, Mm. like literally everything that I do. And you have, and the thing is, is when you take money from people, you are beholden to them in some way or fashion um, because you are an elected public official. So you are no longer you anymore. You are of the people. You are their representative. So you can't think of it. 
you can't be selfish sometimes. It's very a selfless, thankless job. Mm -hmm. So would I ever do it? No. But I'm happy to help people get to their dreams. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I'm spazzing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How did you even get into this point? Like, is this something that you knew you wanted to do straight out? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the story. How yeah. did you wind up doing this? I'm still trying to figure out how the heck I got here. It's like freeze frame. You probably wonder how I got here, huh? Um, don't know. Still trying to figure it out. The girl is wow. confused. I'm the girl. I'm the girl who's confused. Um, when I first went to college, well, in high school, I thought I was going to be an actress. So I was going to be on Broadway or like movies or something. I didn't know. Um, to the point where I was going to go to Baltimore School of the Arts. Um, and yeah, and like literally like do this. Um, but then I was like, oh, what if something doesn't pan out? Let me, let me figure this out. Um, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt. Then I started watching, uh, Soldan O'Brien mm -hmm. and I thought she was so freaking dope. And I was like, I, I want to do what she does. I want to like produce stories and like hard hitting news and like all that stuff. So my first major was communications when I was in school. Um, and then when I got to Maryland, communications there is different than it was at High Point because I transferred in. So it was different. It was like communication of like the theory of it versus like the actual practice. Gotcha. And I was like, that's kind of weird. That's not what I thought. Um, so I switched my major to African-American studies. Um, and from there, I had to do an internship because in order to graduate from African-American studies, not every major has this, but African-American studies does where you have to have an internship in order to graduate. Mm. So I was like, let me find this internship that they would approve of so I can get the heck out of here. Um, and luckily my little sister at the time, her cousin worked for a member of Congress and they were like, we're always looking for interns. Um, so if you want to, doesn't pay, but we give you Metro benefits. But if you want to do it, like the door is here. So I started doing it and I was just in awe. Mm -hmm. Seeing people who look like me, seeing like things that directly affect my life, things that I'm interested in. Um, it was something that I didn't even know was a job. Uh, and so I entered one time and one internship led to another. And then before I left school, um, our lovely friend Olivia. Hey there. Hey, hey. Um, hoped me up with a job because she was leaving and moving to New York. Yeah. And she was like, do you want this job? because I'm looking for somebody and I think you'd be perfect. And so I took over her old job and I was more in the political space. From there, I went on a campaign after I worked there for a year and then the rest is history and here I am. Mm. You know, wild. Destiny, yes. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> destiny is so freaking wild because it's like, it really, this story is, I'm sure you've put lots of work into it. So I don't want to diminish like the work that you've invested. No, for sure. It's like you- This was really an accident. Just, yeah, you stepped into a space and it just snowballed. And this seems to be so aligned with like just who you are, what you were meant to do. You seem really full from it as I watch you on the social medias. And so that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Not something I thought was going to be my life, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. It wasn't easy though, for sure. As a Black woman in this political sphere, what are some of the shitty parts of this job, this career? The judgment, all, everything. You have to analyze everything you do. You have to code switch a lot. Sometimes I don't code switch anymore um, because I'm at this point now in my career where like, <laughs> I don't got to prove nothing to nobody. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of feeling, but I think the first time you have to so much prove yourself more than other people because there's not a lot of black women in this space. Um, and so you're dealing with microaggressions. You're dealing with everything you, you're screwed. By the time you wake up, you're like, what am I going to wear? Is this going to hug me too tight? Um, like, is it going to show off my curves, my hair? What am I going to do with my hair and my makeup? Like all the things that it's just like, everything is a judgment. And you overanalyze yourself and sometimes pick your, pick your own self apart before somebody else can pick you apart. But then it's also like dealing with being a true minority mm -hmm. in this space. And, and what I mean by that is that 
you have women who are in this space, but they could be white or mm. white adjacent. Yeah. And there is no way I'm going to walk into a room with my hair curly and like, I'm going to be able to mesh or mold. I'm always going to stand out. Mm. So there's no way that I can do certain things. And then there's like cultural things that you have to know about popular, you know, main quote unquote mainstream culture that you know that they don't know so much about black culture. Right. Sure. So it's sure. like you, it's like this, just like W.E.B. Du Bois is, you're always in this constant double stream of double consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. Like all the time, like you are the only one who can peek throughout the veil and no one else can feel your experience. Yeah. And so always having to go to work, you see another black body killed by the police and like no one's checking in on your mental health and how this affects you and your trauma. Because mm -hmm. you're like, how is this like, you know, this could be my family. But then you're also dealing with people who have generational wealth in this business. And then you're like, I don't have the same things you have. Yeah. I don't have parents that can just pick pick me up and move me wherever and give me these fancy apartments. And so it's a lot of it's feeling. Layered. It's definitely it's layered. layered. Yeah. And in that layering, so many of us choose to code switch as a way to reap as many benefits as we can. Has code switching like given you any benefits or have you reaped any benefits from it? And what was Heck the point yeah. in which you chose not to? Um, so yeah, I've, I've benefited from code switching uh -huh. for sure. Uh -huh. Um, and I think this is when I decided I've had a conversation with a with someone who, who was a, my, my big sister and a white man said this to her. He said, do you, he said, do you want to be a middle management for the rest of your life? And mm -hmm. sometimes you have to figure out which battles are worth it and which battles are not. And that's, that's anything real. in any life. That's real. Um, but in this, in, in life, I think that, and I think we know this inherently as black people that, white people are only comfortable with black people they feel comfortable with and that they know. I'm glad you named that. Thank you. And knowing that and understanding that is that you sometimes need to not dim yourself completely, but understand that there is a lot of you. I hate to do this for white comfort, but let's be clear until there are more people like me at the table we have to dabble in white comfort in order to survive. Mm -hmm. And it's a survival technique. It's not like you're being, uh, you're shucking and driving or you're being or whatever, selling be or selling out because we know that white comfort, the, the ability to be maneuvering white comfort is the basis of our survival, whether mm -hmm. physical or career wise, because as we saw from the insurrection, when white people get uncomfortable, we die. It ain't white people who die. We die. When they were going to that capital, we knew exactly who they were going to go after. They were going to go over the people they can identify, people of color, black people, especially. Mm -hmm. And so we know that. And even the well-intentioned whites are still not comfortable with naming out things that are racist or prejudiced or whatever may have you. So yes, I have benefited from cold switching. When did I decide to stop? When I have so much, no one can tell me, I have too many people to speak for me that no one can tell me that I'm not good at my job. No one can tell me that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And if anybody ever questions me, I got about five other white dudes behind me that say, don't you dare. Yeah. And then unfortunately for a black woman, you have to have, or a black person, you, you got to have so yeah. much white validation for you to get here. So I've gotten to the point where I'm just going to be real because I feel like no one's being real at the table. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way we only breed greatness and uncomfortable. And so that point of deciding not to code switch was just in other words, when my value could not be denied, when my yes. worth and value in this space was undeniable. Mm -hmm. mm. And I'm always still struggling with it, mm. but I always, my, my vision board tells me there is a quote on there that said, my time and energy is dedicated to people who listen when I speak and don't question my humanity. These are the people in my sisterhood. And so I kept that quote up there because I know that like, if you have to question me, mm -hmm. you're not in my tribe and that's okay. And now I recognize you and I see you. 
Yeah. I fucking love this. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, you know, your value being undeniable is so highlighted, so showcased through just all of the things you've done. Just looking at you peripherally, um, in 2019, you were involved in the Women's Lead Conference. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is, too? I was like, oh, what's that? So Women Lead is um, a program that is at my old job, and mm. it's really dedicated to showcasing all women of Congress, um, Democratic women of, of Congress, and then Shout like candidate, right, because <laughs> if it was ever confused, I am not Marjorie Green Taylor, and she will never be on a stage I occupy. Very and true. if she does, I'm cussing her out. So anyway, because <laughs> um, people going to have to get the bail money because the aunties in them is mad. Comfort. Come for Representative Cory Bush again. We'll see what happens. Um, so, and then uh, candidates who are also women who are running for office. And so it's just a way to showcase them, put them in front of donors for people to get to know them and give them money more importantly, because it ain't cheap running for office. So um, that's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> um, so that's really what it's about. And so it's it's very exciting. It's a luncheon and we do like really silly fun things and all the women get super dressed up and it's nice. It's like a ladies who lunch thing. I love a ladies who lunch. <laughs> Me too. And I love a big hat now. Yeah, I love same. a big hat. With a glove. Okay. <laughs> With a glove. Okay. <laughs> In addition, you had the privilege of attending the 2020 debates. You, when I think of you also, I also think of like the Congressional Black Caucus. Because you've also created a, a name for yourself and have positioned yourself in that sphere. Because this is a space to just celebrate those who come on, I also wanted to just give you a chance to reflect on all that you've accomplished and, you know, toot your own horn and list the things, um, that you've achieved because you deserve we celebrate you oh thank you um wow like a lot of firsts i guess i was the first black woman to hold first black person in person of color to hold my position at my old job also for raising money um then i was the first political director at my new job uh i helped senate house and presidential uh, candidates get across the finish line. Some weren't successful, but some were. Um, and like, I really got serious about my business. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess I did do a lot. Yeah. And the reason for doing this is because I think so many times as Black people, I didn't want to say people of color, but as Black people, we really hold these first positions, we have these achievements. And instead of sitting and feeling the breadth of that, we're moving on to the next thing. We're figuring out how we can, you know, make that next achievement, go a little further, push, get a little higher. And so I really just wanted to take a pause and say that, you know, we honor you here at Rose and Thorns and are so proud of everything you're doing um, in the political sphere. Now, really quickly, as we, um, just move on. I want you to complete this sentence. Okay. And you can make it as long or as short as you'd like. Okay. Maxine Waters is a badass, good legs wearing, stiletto pumping, smart ass, amazing, takes no bullshit ass woman. Heard you. What does she smell like? Because <laughs> I just want to give her a hug. <laughs> Um, like good. I mean, like she smells yeah. like like a good perfume. Like I, th- I try to think what she smells like. I know what one member smells like because uh, she wears um, Flower Bomb by Victor and Rolf. But like Maxine smells like your auntie who's like just is just like warm. Yeah. And like, and like gives like good like vibrations. Like mm-hmm. she's just like it's a warmth you feel. But you also know she's an auntie who's like, girl, don't be crying over no man. Kind of kind of auntie. So I need Maxine in my life. Yeah, no, don't be crying over <laughs> no man, too. Uh-uh. You think that man crying over you? No. Girl, no. So that's, that's how I feel. Ugh, love it. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> As we celebrate these wins, though, we know that, and we talked about it a little bit, there are some challenges, right? Yes. So I will speak as a budding psychologist. Ugh 
the next couple of months. Um, one thing that I'm always trying to navigate and understand and just be clear about is my professional identity. So um, for those who don't know, psychology is this old boys club. And there's this um, idea of respectability that you're expected to adhere to. But if you look at the work that I do, you look at my focus on sexuality, you see I'm not that kind of girl. Yeah. Yeah. And so but for a lot of us. <laughs> for, but for a lot of us who are black in these professional spaces like one thing that i'm realizing is that you can be the hardest worker but the image that others have of you can really make or break mm -hmm. your advancement now nothing can really break your advancement because i believe in the lord okay mm -hmm. come on <laughs> now the meek shall inherit the earth heard you and you know the spaces that we're in, the systems that we're in, a lot of times say that if you don't have the right image, it can break your career. Mm -hmm. And so was it last year or earlier? Well, no, earlier. It was year. last year. It was last year. It was last now, year. Last year you had a birthday. And let mm -hmm. me tell you something. You dropped an amazing boudoir shoot. Yes, I did. Yes. My and ass looked good. You looked amazing. Literally, my ass looked good. Literally. You look so amazing. I was just like, how can I replicate that without seeming like I'm jocking her entire style? <laughs> oh, you can jock it. You can jock it. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> because when I tell you, you looked so bomb, I was just like, yes, right? Mm -hmm. But before I could even get a proper comment under your pictures, before I can get the, I could even double tap and like it, mm -hmm. it seemed that like the whole celebration of your birthday turned into a scandalous moment. And mm -hmm. so again, only saw this from the peripheral, but you get what right. happened? What happened? Man, I need Olivia Pope to come in my life. Um, the funny thing is, is that, uh, like you said, like I, so when we're talking about advancement as black people, I think respectability politics would be the death of us. Mm. And what I mean by that is that I am more than my job. And I know that me having a side business, me doing like having a blog and having an identity outside of work also gives other people, young people, women, an idea that you don't have to be so in your job. Cause I'm never going to run for office. Say it. And they're like, Nakar, you don't know that. Yes, I do. I do not ever want to run for office in my life. I don't want to do it. And even if these were to come out, what is anybody going to say to me about me celebrating my badass sexuality mm -hmm. and me being a beautiful woman? I'm never going to look the same again. I'm never going to be this young again in life. And I wanted a chance to celebrate my sexiness because to be honest, I did the boudoir shoot because growing up, I was always skinny, lanky. Like I didn't really have a lot of self-confidence and within mm -hmm. my body and like the way I looked. Um, and so this was a way to celebrate myself and my sexuality had nothing to do with anyone else, but me, not a man, yeah. Yeah. not, not, cause it was so funny. My girlfriends were like, Oh, well you can do it. in like, your, your partner can watch. I said, no, that's not, that it's not for it. him. Yeah. This is literally for me, for mm -hmm. me to feel good, for me to feel sexy, for me to feel like a badass. And so for me sharing those pictures is, it was a way to showcase to other women that you are sexy. You are beautiful. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you don't have the biggest butt or the right boobs or your stomach's not flat. Like whatever it is, mm -hmm. you are badass. And like, I intentionally did it with braids because loved it. I intentionally did the shoot with braids because I think that sometimes like we look at like, like hair, especially black hair, mm -hmm. it can't be sexy. So I intentionally did it with braids versus straightening my hair. So, um, so that's what happened. So the funny thing is why I got to take like, why I have, why I got to take it down is because people who are black, um, and I'm not going to name names cause I don't want no trouble. Okay. Um, they had a problem with it and call people that I'm, um, I'm, I report to, I'm aware of, and pretty much said that it was a problem. And this is not the image that I should be portraying as, as it pertains to my job. And so it hurt. I cried. Mm -hmm. I'm not above saying I cried. I cried. Um, but I've got more calls of saying, 
that was amazing. You inspired me. And those people are stupid versus less. And it's so funny that it wasn't even white people. Okay. So let's pause right there and touch a couple of, on a couple of things that okay. you said. Because I am like exploding inside right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. So first things first, I love that you highlighted how these pictures were truly for you by you, taken to empower you, taken to look back on your journey and be like, you know, I had this relationship with my body. I have this relationship with my body currently. Like, I'm going to celebrate that. So often when we celebrate ourselves and maybe, you know, post something that's a little sexy or post something that we really love, people take it in and are just like, who are you doing that for? Why Why does celebration of sexuality, specifically Black sexuality, We need to have this conversation. Mm. Why does celebration of Black sexuality have to be in relation to something else? And I think that speaks to the fact that our sexuality has been othered since we were taken to this country. Everything stems back to slavery. I say it all the time. And so because our bodies were used as tools for other people's gain, Mm -hmm. let me say white gain and white pleasure. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. We, I feel like there's a conditioning there where it's just like everything that we do moving forward has to be in relation to some someone else, whether it be like, you know, the white gaze, whether it be the male gaze, whether it be, you know, the people validating it through the interwebs. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I'm so I'm so glad that you highlighted that it's like, nah, this is for me. And, I, and I'm totally aware of all the history mm-hmm. that comes with Black sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so for me... I think, and, and to be fair, I think that the Black folks who said something were honestly thinking that they were doing something best to mm-hmm. protect me mm-hmm. because they did not want the gaze of whomever to diminish what I do. But at the same time, we have to be able to move past that yeah. to understand that although our history is this, We cannot be scared or afraid because of whatever perceived notions that will come out because best believe there, they might not be thinking as deep as you thinking, Mm -hmm. but we have been so ingrained to protect ourselves at all costs to mitigate any type of harm before it even happens that we even walk in a spirit of a fear. Fear, right? And so, yes, those people who blew the whistle on you may have been trying to protect you. Yes, And we can identify that or we need to own that or have the conversation around the fact that all of this is rooted in fear. I think about my um, experience with just like systems where people have tried to edit the way I present on social media or edit, you know, the things that I wear or how I show up. And all of that has nothing to do with me as an individual, but it really has to do with other people and their fear of these systems in which we live. And I'm sorry that you have that fear. Yes. And it's always scary to see you being not afraid because scary to see people when, not we, afraid. When, when black people are not afraid, we usually get hurt. Yes. Yes. We can, we can own all of these truths. Yes. And usually when, and that's why when we maneuver ourselves in that way, that's why we discipline with physical pain mm-hmm. with our children or growing mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. Um, because of fear. Yeah. Because people want to rather let me teach you these lessons in the house before the world teaches you. And then yeah. I can't get you back. And so we can understand why that fear is there. But what we can also understand is that fear only limits. Yes. If you did not post those pictures, one, I wouldn't be able to stand. Right. But, ah! then, <laughs> but then also, as you said, there were people who contacted you and were just like, thank you so much. I'm so inspired. Right? Yeah. And so you did a work that those, you know, all the scary hoes couldn't do. And it's okay. I work hard for this body. Okay. Heard you. <laughs> Heard you. Them squats don't make themselves. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they oh. Really do I so know I'm a bad mama jamma. Go when ahead you now. think about <laughs> this experience, how has your self- sense of self been impacted or affected for the good or bad for the good i know these hoes mad (laughs) stay Mm -hmm. mad Mm -hmm. um for the bad i don't like the way i fell after 
Um, but will it stop me? No. Okay. And I'm actually going to put back up the purple sequence. Okay. I did. Because okay. um, I look good. Yeah. Uh, the black one, my Beyonce lemonade one where my booty was out, that was the best pictures. But unfortunately, because they were like, you have to make your profile private. I said, I'm not doing that. Mm. So, and that's why I made a second one, but I'm about to delete that because I don't care no more. And that's something that I wish I didn't do. I wish I didn't make a second profile because I actually hate it. I don't even use it. I'm about to delete it because it doesn't make no sense. I am the urban tea. Why don't you have your name? Because that's not my brand. I've been Mm. building this brand before I became whatever you guys perceived me in your mind to be. I was always going to be this and I'm always going to be that after. I just love hearing your thought process because I, you know, beyond the relationship of respectability, I think what you are doing is providing a flexibility in the way one thinks um, and not really thinking in black or white. Either you fit in this rigid structure or you're out here with the wild ones. You're just like, no, all parts of me are welcome. And that's actually something that um, I'm sitting with in therapy, just reminding myself that every bit of you is welcome. So yes, Mm -hmm. there is a person with the degrees. There's a person with the profession. There's a person, you know, who likes a little corset and, you know, titties out. All of you is welcome because that (laughs) presentation of the fullness of who you are is going to help somebody reach their fullness. Mm -hmm. And even if, you know, you don't see that it impacts someone else. It's also reinforcing this idea that you are worthy to live in your fullness. Life is so short. You mm. only get one. One. So you better, one. I don't want to ever look back on life and say, I wish I would have done that. Yeah. I don't want to look back and have regrets. So me doing this boudoir shoot was looking back to be like, girl, <laughs> your granny was fine. Granny, you always say that. <laughs> Post it. Yeah. Post it. This yeah. is how Granny was looking good. Um, and I think that's probably why I love Meg the Stallion so much. Down. Because she she says stuff that we all should be thinking about. Like, why are you caring about my nails or how I look? You're not paying for nothing. You don't own anything of me until you start paying my bills and paying for the things that you like. You are no longer worthy of having an opinion yeah. on how I live it. Cash at me before you talk. And sometimes you even have to do that with your parents. I do on the regular. (laughs) Same. I said, look here, dad. Yeah. Um, sir, Mm -hmm. this ain't your life. You don't pay my bills. Mm -hmm. I love you and everything you have provided for me. But how I live my life is how I live my life. Now, what I can say though is praise God, I have parents who are understanding. And I understand that everybody's experience is not so. And so. My dad is pretty good. My dad's pretty good. My Mm. mom, on the other hand, that's a longer story, but. um, (laughs) We'll have you back on for, uh, for season two. (laughs) Right. Child. That's a longer story. Um, But just showing up and being there. And so it's funny that the fear metric is really for black people. And they just, they, they, I know what it is. They see the shining light in me and they see everything that I can do. And they think that if I do this, this will prohibit my career. Mm-hmm. But I think that it has not done anything to has me it? of harm that they think that it has. Yeah. Because most of the people who were shouting me, I were like, white people that I work with. And they were like, yes, queen, like do this, do that. And I'm like, and the funny thing is no one can say anything about me, especially in this climate, about anything that I do. Yeah. Because that's weird. Why are you looking? Yeah. I love this. It's because their husbands were clicking too much and scrolling too hard. You know, that's a conversation we can definitely have in season two. Let's talk about the husbands. <laughs> Kim Richards yes. said it. Let's talk about the husband. <laughs> Let's talk about the husband. <laughs> when we're having these conversations about fear and respectability, you know, there are some of us like you, like myself, who are really dedicated to living in our fullness and, and really changing the spaces in which we um in which we interact. Yeah. Yeah. But these spaces are so rooted in tradition. I'm wondering, do you feel like it's realistic that these spaces can change? Since they're yeah. so rooted in respectability, rooted in propriety. Yeah, because you need people like us. I think the generation under us is super good 
Mm. and disrupting. But see, I think what makes millennials so special, us, especially us, I think we're like the sweet spot millennials. And Mm. what I mean by that is that we understand that things take time and that there is a process and that instant gratification is not real. Mm. But we also know that it's necessary for people to disrupt and push the boundaries on things. So I think that we are in that, we are in that, we are the babies who didn't really have computers, um, had dial up, the mm-hmm. and then we also have, right. And so, but we still now have, we grew up with texting. We saw the evolution of text. Mm-hmm. We've seen the evolution of the internet. Mm-hmm. So we understand what it means to disrupt, but also know that things have a process because there is a way to be disruptive, disruptive, but be respectful. And what I mean by that is disrupt folks, but then also be res- be respectful of the fact that those who came behind you, mm-hmm. um, I mean, ahead of you, also had to go with a lot of stuff in order yeah. for you, us to be as comfortable as we are right now Absolutely. to do what we're doing, which I think that the everything beholden to the younger generation, which I appreciate them and they're pushing everybody forward. Sometimes I think that that's their missing piece. They mm-hmm. lack the history sometimes that they just want to be so king by and that we're all in this together. That sometimes they forget the history of where we came from in terms of like, oh, we're all in this together. No, sometimes we're not all of this together because there is still structural racism in your friends who think you can say the N-word. Wait, no, 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 no. They can't say no N-word. They ain't black. Got it. Talk about they it. ain't black like Danny Lee or whatever. Mm-hmm. Girl, you were trying to be a white Latina forever. And you kept trying to tell us you ain't black. So how are you going to be using yellow bone when that's a black colloquialism and you just told us you ain't black? So it's like thinking that we can move so fast past like respectability and uh, like, like a post-racial society. We ain't there yet fully. So you got to remember where we are. But I do think it's possible that we can push it forward. But it's going to take disruptors like ourselves. I appreciate you for indulging me in this conversation and for being so open about your experience. Before we switch gears a little bit, what um, takeaways or nuggets would you have for Black folks or Black women, women, if you want to be specific, looking to kind of do the role that you do or Mm -hmm. looking to advance in politics? Because I know you're out here recruiting. Always. Um, So I think that hmm, that's a good question. I mean, just always connect with people that you would like to, like wherever, I got this advice from someone, wherever you see yourself, find someone who's doing a job that you like and ask them if they have like 10 or 15 minutes to get coffee or to talk about themselves. But then also connect on something deeper that isn't necessarily about the role. Like talk about like a hobby or something that you like to do and ask them the same thing because then maybe you connect with them on something that's deeper than the role. Mm -hmm. And then also make sure that once you're done the conversation, ask them to connect you with three other people that you think would be good for you to connect with. So I always, I always tell people to lead the conversation with that. And then also be comfortable with not knowing what you don't know and knowing that everything kind of does take time, but also ask for what you want and don't say sorry. Because mm. mm. the worst that thing- Don't is say sorry. Is, don't say mm. sorry. Because you know what? They can say no. But that's the worst that anybody can tell you is no. And no won't break you, break you. And if you don't get that job that you thought was meant for you, because I've had that happen to me before, I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I've realized that God has been laying down my steps before and and ordering my steps before I even knew what my steps were. So maybe it's just not, that's not right for you. Yeah. And that comes with men, (laughs) and that comes with friendship, and that comes with business. So, Yeah. yeah. Can we get one witness? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you again so much. So You're welcome. let's talk about your side hustle. Oh, yeah. So how did I come upon the urban charcuterie? Um, oh, this is how I came upon it. All right. So I'm out here minding my business, okay. as I do, scrolling the Instagram. Right? <laughs> and I saw like the beginnings of your, like, you posting, right? And mm-hmm. so I was just like, oh, this is really cute. She's doing charcuterie boards, right? Walked away, went to go mind my business. I come back a couple weeks, months, almost a year. Yeah, almost a year. Almost a year later, Miss Nakara, oh, excuse me. It's okay. 
I already said my name already. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> or Miss Nikki has charcuterie boards upon charcuterie boards upon charcuterie boards. And it goes from, oh, this is cute to, oh my goodness, what the F is this, right? The branding, the presentation, the, I have to stamp. Okay, it's the charcuterie for me. All right. It's the charcuterie for me. How did this even come about? How did this start? Like, just tell me everything. I'm freaking out. Oh, my God. So it's nuts, right? Because so I started this. I went to the wing. Rest in peace. It was a women's only club that um, folks could, and actually non-binary folks can go there, too. But um, and they had a class like pretty much like teaching you how to make the boards. And this was like two years, two, three years ago. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, I want to do this. So I started practicing all my friends. Mm-hmm. And they were like, girl, look how, what a bougie mess you got us into now. Cause you always doing something bougie. I was like, you know, I'm bougetto. Um, I love a, bo- a sophista ratchet. You know what I'm saying? I'm like a good sophista ratchet. Like, Crazy. you know, to, you know, can get have caviar, but also twerk a whistle while I twerk. Um, so, so then I started practicing on my friends and my friends were like, girl, you need to start an Instagram and start selling these. I said, no one's buying these. And they're like, no, people would. I'm like, whomst, okay, whomst yeah. is buying them. So after much, um, I started kind of, and then restarted. Um, and I was like, I'm going to be serious. And then my partner, shout out to him. He Hello. was very... <laughs> for one time. Uh, so he was like, you need to be serious. So then I got uh, my friend, Lindsay, who's an amazing artist, um, Liz, Linz, Lindsay Adams. And you can find her. She blew up this past summer too, after all the Black Lives Matter mm, stuff. But her she, artwork is amazing. Uh, amazing. She's done three logos of mine so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got her to do my logo. I told her exactly what I wanted. I said, I wanted to make sure that my hair was natural. Um, so I gave her the picture of me when I was in Paris and I had my faux locks in. Mm -hmm. And so in that white dress that I'm obsessed with, and it's like my favorite dress in my closet. Um, and she took that picture and created my little mini, mini Mm -hmm. Nikki charcuterie girl. Um, so it's been wild. So I've been growing and growing. I've gotten partnerships. I've gotten, um, collaborations i'm getting branded charcuterie boards now with my logo in it um merch is coming soon um and then i wanted to share it with other black women so that's when i created black girls and boards because i wanted other women to start doing it black women to do it as well that is so exciting and it's just so dope how you know whether we're talking about you and politics whether we're talking about you and this charcuterie board business right this brand (laughs) um it's so interesting how in your life, you know, you just show up and start doing things and then it's, it just flows. And I think that speaks more to just the way you are. There's something within you that seems tapped in and you're able to align with the things that are for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Now let me get up in your business about these boards. Like what goes into the process um, of creating them? So the reason why I ask is because not, I, already talked about how they're aesthetically pleasing. Like I stand down. I remember seeing one of your videos where I saw like an apple and like the cheeses and everything. And then yeah. I saw, I looked closer and I was like, is that gold on the apple? Now, you know, I got to give the girls. Is that gold with you know, the I had to apple give the girls and the honey? Yes. Yeah. And so yes. I was just like, bruh, how does your mind <laughs> even come up with this? Um, so I will say first, and I saw you kind of getting your spirit right for this conversation. Um, I had to do a lot of alignment, um, mm. and where I do my charcuterie boards is actually near some of my crystals and my sage and my, um, Palato, Palato, Palo Santo, Palo Santo. Mm-hmm. So I saged and sometimes I've had a higher experience with other herbal ways to get me there now i don't have to miss you (laughs) now i don't have to be there because it was nerves Mm -hmm. that really got me because every single time i did a board i was super nervous i'm still nervous every time i do a board um but i always say if something doesn't scare you a little bit it's probably not right 
Um, because you should always operate like with a little bit of like testing you and pushing you to your limits. Mm -hmm. So my mind, when I think about boards is one, it's always a curated experience. I ask the person, what do you like? So if you ever book with me, you realize I don't have meats and cheeses that are listed on my site. If you want me to give you suggestions, I'm happy to do so, but I need this to be a curated experience. I need your board to be always unique to you. None of my boards are ever the same, except if I'm doing like a collaboration, which is like a bulk order, Mm -hmm. um, like boxes and stuff like that. So for me, I always try to make sure that it's a curated experience, that you pick the cheeses, you pick the meats, you pick the fruits. From there, you tell me what is your favorite things. And from then, whoosh. Just leave, let the uh, Tasmanian devil out of the cage. I'm gone. I'm, I let the charcuterie, um, I call myself the charcuterie fairy godmother. So mm-hmm. just let me out. Let me sprinkle and do some little razzle dazzle for the girls. So um, that's kind of where my mind goes. And I just think about like different flavors and how certain things can, can lead itself into another thing. Like if this nut goes into this fruit or this um, cheese, like... It, it's a it's a, an experience. I'm trying to make sure your palate is getting everything that you need. This is exactly yes. why I don't put crackers on my board because no offense to anybody who does that. I think it's a distraction oh. from the. I that's why I never do crackers on my board. I think it's a distraction to and you're using it as a as a palate situation or try to because you don't know how to mix the situation together like your foods together and so that's why i never put crackers on there ever because i think you're also jipping your client mm-hmm. because you should be putting something else in it. it's not uh, a cracker girl this is artwork i love this <laughs> i try yes oh this is artwork and i'm i'm standing i really appreciate you for just highlighting that as you get into every project, there's a process personally that you have to get into because there are nerves that are present. And so many times I think, you know, we don't have conversations about the anxieties that can arouse when we're, or that can arise when we're doing things that like are passions to us. So thank you so much for that vulnerability. Heck yeah. I'm scared all the time. Don't be, don't be letting Instagram fool you. Don't let Instagram fool you. Because I am scared. Yes. I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. You're still learning. And and at the same time, you are killing it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) In thinking about this um, charcuterie business, urban charcuterie, let's call it what it is, yeah, Um, you named it as a side hustle. So many times we have these, like, side projects, we have these side passions, and we get to a point where, you know, we're doing pretty good at them. And there's, there seems to be like a decision part that we have, Mm. or a decision point um, where we have to decide if we're going to keep this as like a sacred part of just what we do for our own fulfillment, or if we're going to take that chance and, you know, as your partner said, get serious and turn this into kind of like a business sort of deal. Is that something that you went through or is there anything in your life where you had to kind of discern, um, between like the sacred and the business. And as a woman with many talents, how do you even get to a point of deciding, okay, this is going to be for me and I'm going to allow people in when I feel like it. And this is going to be something that I'm going to turn into this. This big business. Yeah. So I think with like, I felt that way about urban tea and I'm still struggling with it. And that's why I haven't posted on my blog in a while. Um, Because after the, uh, boudoir, um, breakout. Um, I, I love felt, the branding. <laughs> I, I felt, um, kind of afraid and like sheltered. And I'm like, is it bad to keep exposing myself? Cause when I do, sometimes I get hurt, but mm-hmm. I think anything worth having is going to be painful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, city girl said it like, girl, I'm a job. I'm a whole job. This, this, her, the brand of Nakara, the brand of Nikki C. I have so many, it's like Nakara and Nikki C. We are both entwined. We are together. Okay. Mm -hmm. I am a brand and I am a business. And so certain parts of my life, I try to keep private, like my relationship. Um, it's, it's public enough that people know, but people don't know a lot. Like Mm -hmm. they know what they know and they know what they don't. Um, and then when it comes to a lot of my friendships, I try to keep those 
to myself. Yeah. But when it comes to urban charcuterie, I mean, everybody wants a piece of the girl. Um, but I also understand that people want a piece of me because of what I present to them and the authenticity that I give out. So I'm going to make myself a whole brand. Yeah, and you're gonna buy it, and I mean, I hope you buy it. I mean, people are buying it. Um, so that's when I decided to do merch, um, with the help of Olivia and her business. (laughs) Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Again. Um. So, and that's when I had to make a decision that these white women and these other women who are white adjacent are winning on making themselves themselves whatever parts of themselves they want to give us a brand and monetize that mm-hmm. there really isn't that many black women who are doing charcuterie or luxury experiences and if they do it takes a while and i don't want people to think that this happened overnight because i think that's what people think about a lot of businesses like chrissy with charismatic creations she's amazing and I think that people look at her and like she blew up overnight. No, I was I was with her when she was shooting in the in the gym when she was working hard when she had two jobs and now this is her full time job. And so mm-hmm. it just takes a lot of work. And and then that's when I had to make a decision with myself that if I'm going to do this, I can't half ass it because I ain't a half ass bitch. So I think that's when I decided like certain parts of myself I'm going to have to expose if I want to be successful because people can smell the. Un- unauthenticity yeah and i love how the roots of whatever brand you choose to create whatever brand whatever brand you choose to present it's rooted in that authenticity that vulnerability and you're able to identify that you know that comes with risk and benefit the benefit being people will be drawn to you because they love to experience that vulnerability and sometimes you might get hurt right in being vulnerable yeah Mm. And that's okay, but I don't want to shelter myself off from that. Yeah. yeah. So, because there's so much fullness beyond that point. Of it is. Hurt. It yeah. is. It's more out there than me being hurt. Ugh, love obsessed. <laughs> Complete this sentence. Happiness <laughs> is. Mm, that's a good one. Hmm. Wealth. What kind of wealth? All wealth. You listen. <laughs> you better say so. <laughs> All wealth, okay? Yeah. Wealth in self and yeah. wealth in my bank account. I'm trying to be where the money resides. Where the money wealth in finance, wealth in spirit. Wealth abundance. in life, abundance. I'm trying to live where the abundance is, okay? Ooh. Abundance, abundance av, okay? Yeah. Abundance Come on, av. abundance av. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for just engaging me in this wonderful conversation. It really uh, my heart well. And this, you know, I could say that this is a part of my self-care, having conversations with people like you uh, who are willing to bear their souls and, I don't know, just engage in this awesome conversation, in these awesome conversations. Thank you. All we can do. Yeah. You know? Before I let you go, oh, there's a nice little section of the show that I like to call, let's spin the rosé bottle. <laughs> So I have spent the entire episode asking you question upon question upon question. Now I'd like to return the favor. You can ask me one question. It can be juicy. It can be dry. It can be nothing at all. But if it is something, I have to give an answer. What is your wish for yourself this year? Oh, so this pulls to therapy, right? Okay. At the the height of this conversation, you talk to us about how therapy led you to figure out um, self-care. I am Mm -hmm. also doing, engaging in therapy right now. Um, And I think that's really important as a psychologist or a budding psychologist in a couple months. Um, And one thing I'm learning, one thing I'm learning about therapy or I'm learning about myself is that in these almost 30 years, I haven't been kind to myself. That's a good one. And we could talk deeper about that, Mm -hmm. you know, off air. But, you know, despite affirming my identity, despite being who I truly am in the public sphere, there are parts of me in my day-to-day navigation that I have not been kind to. And so I think for me, what I want out of this year and what I'm doing right now is just working on being continuously kind to myself. 
That's fair. And that's not, it's more than just like the negative voice, right? Or like not listening to the negative voices. That includes protecting myself before I expect other people to protect me. That includes nurturing myself before I expect other people to nurture me. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, Listening to myself when I've reached my limits in all things, including relationships. In all things. Because I'm the type of person who will, will keep a thing going because I'm afraid of losing that thing. And so mm. all of that is kindness. Um, understanding things about myself without trying to fix those things. Yes, that's real. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. That's, yeah, we got to speak it, man. Mm-hmm. Fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not faking this. This is real shit. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm saying like fake the kindness to yourself until it comes into fruition yep yep sometimes you gotta you gotta train yourself to create healthy habits yeah habits are developed they are and i'm developing this one and it feels really good and i i'm noticing how it's changing the ways that i show up for people changing the ways i engage with people changing the ways i engage with myself and so come on now i'm grateful i'm so grateful love it Mm -hmm. i love it Mm. And so I thank you for coming on and being a guest on season one of Rose and Thorns. Thank you for having me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Before I let you go, share everything. Where can the people find you? Social medias, websites, where can they buy charcuterie boards? If you want to give the price range, do so, so people don't waste your time. Um, (laughs) Just anything you want to do. As a non-negotiable. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. You can find the girl. Nikki C. Nakara at The Urban Tea. Um, you can also follow my sister pages at Urban Charcuterie and Black Girls and Boards. If you want to find out more, TheUrbanTea.com is right there for you on Al Gore and Beyonce's internet, internets, interwebs. Mm-hmm. So find me, book the boards. The price ranges are between 100 to about two so. So you heard it here. Get the coins ready before you start asking questions. Don't play on people's time. Because you can make your own charcuterie board. But when you shoot for the queen, you best not miss. So, um, um, so God bless. But I will say making cheese and meat are very expensive. They are. Okay. Cheese and meat ain't no hoe. All right. It ain't. It ain't no $2 hoe. You can't get her at the $2 market. Can't. Unless you want to get sick. Okay. Unless you I don't suggest that. Yeah. And so just to reiterate, you guys, you can find Nakara and all of her goodies at The Urban Tea. That's all one word. T-H-E-U-R-B-A-N-T-E-A. I am Akila, and this is The B. This has been another... (laughs) (laughs) This has been another episode of the Rosé and Thorns podcast. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rosé and Thorns, a P. Ryan podcast. You can find Rose and Thorns on Instagram and Twitter at Rose and Pod. That's R-O-S-E-N-T-P-O-D. And you can find P. Ryan on Instagram and Twitter at I am P. Ryan. That's I-A-M-P-R-Y-A-N. See you next time.